You are listening to the Massive Report podcast. Hey, buddies! It's the Massive Report podcast. Um, everybody has given up on the Columbus Crew after that. Uh, just really um, uh, uh, dis- disarming and and disappointing 2-2 draw. So you've got myself, Bart Logan, behind the mic. We've got Thomas Costello. We've got Kyle Jackson. No Smurf. No Brian Phillips. They never want anything to do with this. Fortunately, though, we do have Sam Fami back. Um, so even though we are on Zoom, uh, it's going to be the highest quality, you know, high quality um, Zoom uh, recordings uh, this week around. Uh, we desperately missed Sam last week as, or two weeks ago as we um, tried to, uh, uh, we recorded the the greatest episode of Massive Report never released um, because uh, myself and, and Smurf and, and the gang just really were struggling without you, Sam. So it is good to have you back. That is the silver lining right now. Sam, how are you doing? I am doing much better than I did uh, two weeks ago and even better than I did last week. So that's that's a good step in the right direction. Hey, that is good to hear. And and I alluded to him, Tom uh, Thomas Costello as well. Thomas, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I want to make a note that Sam is also feeling better even after watching the crew yeah. in Montreal match. So that that gives that gives a lot of uh, support to physically how well he's improved over the last week or so. Well, let's just say you know I was fresh out of a procedure and there was a lot of painkillers involved. That's yeah, ideal. Still, That's ideal. You, still, usually, you know, uh, doctors, most doctors don't recommend consuming the Columbus crew until you've had at least, you know, six to eight weeks of full recovery and rehabilitation. But you just went right in there and, and started consuming. What can I say? I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> but after watching that, my pain was nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right it's just like hey uh look we can uh put you under with some anesthesia or we can just have you watch 95 minutes of columbus crew soccer and uh then you just pain's all relative at that point right <laughs> pretty much I, I mean even if i just had to watch the last 10 minutes i mean the first oh. 80 minutes seemed to be fairly okay but you know as soon as as soon as you start seeing things happening you're like yeah that's not gonna end up good uh-uh. When, when Don Garber, you know, presses the okay, let's get the crew button. Um, that that is what happens. And then uh, Kyle Jackson, Kyle, how are you doing, sir? Uh, I, I know, uh, you know, you watched uh, the game with your father. Um, as far as I can tell, uh, you still have, a, you know, a, a somewhat uh, positive relationship with him. It didn't, you know, completely destroy things, right? He didn't just go out to get cigarettes afterwards and never come back. Oh, well, you know, I might have joined him with the cigarettes after that game. But, um, no, I'm glad to be here. This is my first ever podcast, you know. Yes, I, I do reside in Kentucky, and no, I'm not an FC Cincy fan, so Aww. don't uh, don't assume that because I live down here, I like them. They, yeah. No, but yeah, no, that was uh, that was pretty underwhelming last week, wasn't it? It it certainly was, and, I, you know, I think we can, you know, get right uh, back into it and and it, it probably starts you know with uh, uh kyle i think you said it before we were recording um you know the the 74th minute i believe when uh when luis diaz we'll, we'll get into you know what kind of led up there but but that's all you know that's all the the appetizer we're gonna go straight to the main course um and 
or prelude, I should say. Um, and and it, you get Luis Diaz gets that, you know, that card. Um, uh, a questionable, of course. It's it's with an interaction. Uh, is a Kai Kamara involved incident? Um, and, and, and you said you, you look to your dad right there. Who's, who's a crew fan, maybe not, you know, the most diehard, um, and said, uh, uh they are not going to win this game. Um, and just, just, just take us, you know, what, 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 uh, you know, take us into your, your, your mind's eye there, you know, where you, where you get that feeling, that sentiment and, and what it was like watching it all play out the way it did. Well, where do I start with this? <laughs> um, well, first of all, can we talk about the fact that it was a very questionable red card? I mean, <laughs> I'm not the, saying that, you know, the action of which Diaz took, you know, lashing out against Kai was acceptable in any way, but he, uh, I certainly don't feel as though, you know, it should have been upgraded to, it's probably the softest red card you'll ever see in the sport, I would think, because, I mean, his little, I mean, did his little kick out even make contact with Kai? I, I, as far as I could tell, he just got it for, you know, just kind of getting his arms wrapped around and sort of shoving out afterwards. It didn't look, but, you know, maybe Thomas, you saw something. Otherwise. Yeah, he, the action itself was a red card. Kai was moving away. His back was to Diaz. Diaz kind of winds up, and it's not the hardest kick in the world. During the match, watching an initial replay, I was like, oh, that's pretty soft. Because he does actually kick inside of Kai's leg. He kicks like right above his knee, right inside his leg. Because Kai, as soon as he touches, Kai like reacts. And I doubt that like if he didn't touch him, if he didn't make contact, Kai's running. And he's not paying attention because they're down two goals at this point but he makes contact and like any player they're going to you make contact like that oh he he did react to it but the action yeah he did kick him um the tangle before i think that's when they called the yellow i think that's yeah. when they called the yellow because luis was kind of pulling him back when they reviewed it for the possible kick that kick it was a red card action was it this was it the most malicious no, it wasn't close to the most malicious, but by the rule of doing something like kicking a guy whenever you're not going for the ball, it was him, it was emotional. He was going after him. In theory, yes, it is a send-offable offense, but you see harder tackles than that throughout the night. You see guys going in full speed or these professional fouls that they're doing that on purpose. Like they're stopping a player on purpose. But is this worse than those? Not really. I think it's a pretty harsh sentence for, for Diaz. But also, this is now Monday night when we're recording it, and there's no word of any suspension being removed. So uh, I don't think there's any fight coming from the crew, so what it sounds like at least. But back to you and your father, um, and what happened next? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as we are unfortunately down to – 10 men for the rest of the night. I looked to my dad and said, there's no way that we hold on to this two nothing lead at this point, because we have dropped. How many points has it been this season from winning positions? It was 14 at that point before the two yeah. calls with it. Oh, it was, excuse me, 15, 15. 
And but but not the worst in the league, however, though. I believe the Revs have have dropped more, right? Well, so, now it's 17, so I think it's yeah. tied. Although, although if you talk to Pat, his definition of coming back, because we got into a little little beef in the in the slack the other day um about the Doyle, Matthew Doyle 17 points lost from winning positions thing. But yeah. for for this podcast purposes, we'll continue with the Doyle mathematics since Pat isn't here to justify it. <laughs> But so Absolutely. yeah, so so never nevertheless, we we dropped too many points from from winning positions this season. You and know, you're going so. up against a team that's at that point had gained 23 points from losing positions. So you have one of the worst teams at holding a lead and one of the best teams at coming back from a deficit. Like you said, it's not like, like we didn't see them do that. Right, just a, a couple a months ago, prior, yeah. a month ago, like so, I, I could see why your dad, um, you would say that to your dad. Um, I didn't oh. think it in, once the first goal went in. That's when I was like, "There's no way they're gonna win." Like after the first oh. goal went in, I thought they're deflated. Like they, <sighs> and it's and, and Montreal so- almost scored a third. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Well, they, they they played such a good tight defensive game all the way up until that point. And uh, I'm sorry. One of the better, one of the better performances of the season, in my opinion. But I don't think Aloy Room having to make eight saves is a good defensive performance. And before we get into the goal, sorry. After the match, in the press conference, Caleb Porter mentioned, "No, we didn't give them a lot of chances." I was watching the first 45 minutes, and you mentioned earlier, Bart, about just watching these matches Mm -hmm. and only watching the 10 minutes. For the last few matches, it looks like the crew in the first half are just let's see what happens. Like they're just like, uh-huh. okay, we're, we're, we're going to we're going to try to stop them. But the first half have been pretty bad over the last couple months. I don't know. I don't remember the last time they scored. Maybe Colorado was the first last time they scored a goal in the first half of a match. And I thought in the first half, Aloy had to make, I think f- five of his eight saves were in the first half. If Montreal was anywhere close to finishing chances, where they normally do, there's no way Columbus goes into the half tied zero to zero. They were on the back foot. Now you're playing away from home. So that's kind of part of the tactics, I think, but that's a lot of chances that you gave up. I don't, I, I know if you talk to Porter too, depending on the match and how it ends shots on goal and shots are not an accurate depiction, but I just watching it, the eye test, mm-hmm. it looked like defensively, they were struggling in the first half. And I think, again, if Montreal, if Kai was in there, Kai's, he's scoring a couple of those in the first half. Some of those balls that got right in front of Aloy room. I, so I don't, maybe I don't have the same trained eye as, as the coach does, but I didn't think that they looked that great in the first half. I thought defensively they were pretty shaky. Outside of the center backs, sorry, center backs. I think Jonathan Mensa and Milos, I thought they did great. But this, you were so used to watching this team, especially in 2020. They played team defense. You'll see Nagby clearing a ball off the line. Anybody on offense is Pedro Santos is running in and trying to stop uh, pa- uh, shots and passes back in 2020. You don't see that. It, it's kind of like, okay, the center backs, I hope you guys have it <laughs> because mm-hmm. it, it's you or Aloy. That's, those are the three options it seems like they have on defense. Well, it, it's yeah, the, 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 the eye test it, it didn't pass, but the numbers bear it out too. And if you look at, you know, MLS has got their, their possession metrics by, you know, five minute intervals, 
Um, there was only a single five-minute interval in that second half where, where crew had the majority of possession, and you can mm-hmm. guess exactly when it was from the 65th <laughs> minute to the 70th minute um, right. when crew got two goals in, in pretty quick succession. Um, there were, you know, there, there were little spans in that first half where they would, I mean, it almost, you know, uh, to the number would put together a good five-minute run um, you know, there's a, a nice opportunity from Cucho from the edge of the box, but nothing that really looked like, you know, they threatened too much. And ultimately it just, I think if, you know, again, most cases you're saying, Hey, you're going up to Montreal against, uh, you know, one of the top teams in the Eastern conference, and you're going to come out with a point. You're going to say, that's not a bad result, but we have I said to- that that morning, I, that morning, I thought it was going to be a good result if they got a draw, but yeah, not this one. And, and I think it's just the frequency with which this is happening. You know, this the crew team is in, in danger of, you know, falling below the playoff line right now. Um, and for such a long time, we, you know, it, it was talked about, you know, before, before Cucho Hernandez's um, uh, signing, you know, it's just wait till they get this striker, uh, wait till they get the guy. And then, you know, suddenly it's going to change. Then you can start really judging this team. Um, I think Kucha Hernandez has been terrific. I think, you know, in general, you're getting better all-around performances, certainly from Luis Diaz. You know, red card may be uh, the exception, obviously, um, than you have. But, uh, and, 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 and you know, Lucas Alarion's playing well. Obviously, you're, you're missing uh, Pedro Santos right now, but... I think you're pretty happy with what you're getting from, from Will Sands, but yeah. ultimately the results, um, you know, week in and week out um, this inability to, to consistently, or just, you know, steal, steal some points, hold on, lock down. Um, I think it is, it, it makes you very wary about, um, you know, certainly going all in on this team as a team that, you know, is a playoff team, let alone a team that can make some noise in the playoffs. I don't know where anyone else is with that. Uh, no, I, I I think they're really benefiting right now, the crew are, from the teams that are right outside of the playoffs. Uh, you have New England, who's lost three of their last five. In, Inter-Miami, where Columbus is entering Miami tomorrow night with them losing three in a row. The only teams that are really winning are in the playoff race are a good, like, five points off of the crew mm-hmm. with the crew having a game in hand on a couple of those teams. So it's almost like the, the playoff line is lava for some of the teams that actually have a chance of jumping into the playoff picture. I, 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 I kind of agree with you. I, I think that we're seeing the team that they, for weeks they've been talking about every match is a cup final. We have to treat every match like a cup final, but if you're treating every match like a cup final, They've just lost two cup finals mm-hmm. <laughs> or they've just drawn two cup finals in a, like it, it's not what you're hearing and what you're seeing. I, I think it, it's, it definitely isn't adding up. I, I think and once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. Uh, you can have a, a great match and you can surprise another team. The players are there. You mentioned Cucho Hernandez. He's, he's there. You have players making plays. Sands has been great on defense. I think he, him and Morris are, doing similar things defensively, winning the ball away from the opponent, just in different parts of the field. Um, but yeah. Uh, offensively, I don't know how it's going to work. Cause those two goals on Friday, they seem to 
come out of nowhere. Uh, they seem to to uh, like uh, appear out of nowhere. I mean, the first the first goal was a backheader, you know. Yeah. And you're like, wait, on a great just, play, just, on a great play, a great yeah. bit, but still. And then the second goal was a deflection, which they've had they've suffered goals from deflection a lot. But I was going to say earlier, as much as I think Will Sands has done a great job, I think you're missing the extra experience that Pedro brings mm-hmm. to that back line. Um, offense offense too and offense but yeah. what what i did notice is that basically if this was hockey every every time the crew got the ball they would have committed icing because <laughs> they just kicked it out there was no possession and once they got the first goal scored on them they started kind of possessing the ball a little bit but they couldn't deal with the press of montreal hardly at all um, no. so they would lose the ball immediately and they weren't kicking it far enough to where it is like it's there's time for Montreal to have to go back and get it and, and come back up. So they weren't even giving themselves breathers. I mean, every player for the crew, all 10 were inside the box. That creates a vision problem for the goalkeeper to be able to see the ball, even if it does get deflected, to be able to see where the ball is going or how things are going. So the, I, I okay. I hate to say it this way. I'm okay with them defending and parking the bus, mm-hmm. but park the bus out further. Like, not not in your box park it at the arc so you give you give yourself if you mess up you give yourself some chance of being able to recover or being able to kind of press make them make them make those passing uh or shot decisions earlier than they would have liked to like it's almost like a counter press but from outside of your box at this point i don't think that bus has any wheels left to move it so <laughs> it's, it's been machine gunned quite well <laughs> um can we I, I know folks can we talk about the substitutions really quick since we're on the match still Absolutely. i i know i know uh, there were mixed feelings about the substitutions um i, I think it was ha- mixed as in the largest portion was that they people didn't like the substitutions that were made um, what what did you folks think about bringing in? Uh, you brought in Artur, you brought in Josh Williams and Eric Hurtado. What did you all think about the substitutions Caleb made? At the time, um, we'll see. You know, you can't you can't when you're up two nil and you bring on you know two defensive minded players. That's not a bad thing, so especially that, after going down a man too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. So. I mean, it was all done with the right intention. They just didn't get the job done, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, ultimately, I think, you know, with all three of the substitutions, I think they all, they all kind of make sense, but you, you just are basically at that point, you're conceding, look, we are not going to, you know, short of Eric Hurtado potentially getting himself, you know, breakaway off of, you know, a, a, a gorgeous and perfectly, you know, placed ball. Um, which you know he's want to do. It's happened a couple times, you know, on a counter. Uh, that's uh, you you are you are saying and you are telling everybody, including everyone there, um, on the Montreal uh, touchline and on the uh, uh, you know, on the f- field that uh, you have no intention of you know possessing the ball anywhere, you know, even outside your defensive third, let alone um, the mid third or attacking third. Uh, that's, that's just, you know, going to be the case when you do it. And again, you're, you're down a man. Um, it wasn't, but these were also the same subs, almost identical that, you know, Caleb Porter made the week prior. Um, you know, we, we, we've seen this, seen this a couple times and I think it is just the, 
you know, just just trying to to lock it down and and you or or you know park the bus and it, and they have not demonstrated any ability to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's still running. They 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 threw it in neutral and it's just well. Then they got off the bus and it just started rolling away without them. <laughs> I mean, I, I I understand. I think I think the substitutions technically made sense. Uh, Josh Williams had some saves literally in the time that he was in, you know, so that gives him that, that automatically pays off. Now, Eric Hurtado, instead of Cucho, I think at that point, you almost want to rest Cucho a little bit, at least to get some, give him a little bit of time so that he can play on Tuesday against Miami. Um, and then Artur, who did Artur come in for? Uh, he came in for Lucas. Lucas, yeah. For Lucas. Okay. So yeah, I mean, the, theoretically that makes sense because again it's 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 outside of Hurtado it's people that are good on the ball and or good at defense like Josh Williams so in in that situation you're playing with 10 men you're up to there's 10 minutes left it makes sense what didn't make sense is how far back they sat Mm -hmm. Uh and I think that's that's what made it worse is that not not instructing them to um not instructing them to hold the ball and pass it around and, and get to at least get to midfield or get outside of their area. I think that's what doomed them as being so plugged in far back. You mentioned the Kucha substitution. I, I don't have any problem with Josh Williams and our tour coming in. Josh, well, like you not like you brought in Jaleel and Josh Williams and you're just, okay, whatever defender we have, get on the field. Mm-hmm. Our tour is a midfielder. He has, he has, he can possess the ball. He can move the ball if he needs to. I thought bringing in Hurtado for Cucho, we've seen in the short time that Cucho's played for Columbus, one thing that we didn't expect him to really do is he runs back on defense. Like yeah. he's made he's made big defensive stops this year. And I, I understand the saving legs because you have a match in four days. But, I mean, Caleb Porter just played them. <laughs> he, he started them three matches in seven days. And he played just about all the minutes of those three matches. So I think if you're up – Bring Hurtado for the counterattack. I, I like the idea, but Cucho can do that too, and he can also defend. Like, why wouldn't you keep him on if you're really looking to have somebody patrol that defensive part of the field? I don't think Hurtado defensively he's not going to do anything close to what we've seen Cucho do. But I didn't think that substitutions were that bad. I also know that um, this year, and this is one of the, I mean, next topic. It's probably a good one to talk about is uh, Caleb Porter and. I think it just at this point there are things that get brought up, and I think everything's under a microscope, very close microscope with him. So I think substitutions kind of fell into that, and some of his comments after the match kind of fell into that category. I think especially with Luis Diaz's red card. Um, what do you folks kind of think about uh, Porter and his spot right now? Well, let's first, Thomas. Can you can you talk about some of the you know those comments from Caleb yeah. and, and the mood you know from him after the game? Um, uh, you know we've we've seen we've seen a lot of different you know uh, uh, Caleb Porter faces in uh, <laughs> in recent weeks. You know we've seen it, it's, it, the fans need to get behind us. We've seen um, yeah. you know all sorts of uh, things, all sorts of you know different villains and culprits. Um, what was uh, the rationale this time? Uh, I've seen this a few times this season. 
just because they have been in this spot. I think back actually to that Montreal match again on August 3rd at lower.com field where it just kind of comes in kind of like shell shocked, kind of like, like doesn't know what to, th- it just happens so late that it doesn't have time to formulate what the talking point's going to be. And it kind of, you, what you hear from him is probably more real of what you're, of what happens in the match. And I, I actually have the the quote up right here. Uh, he said, we score two goals and then we lose our discipline and we go down a man. And for me, that's what turned the game. Um, a lot of people got mad at him for that, for saying that that loss of discipline. And later on, he said, Luis is upset about it. You know, everyone's pissed off about the match, about the outcome, but people were kind of pointing the blame at, at Porter. I think he was pretty real about what happened outside of like, I, I still think Montreal had way too many chances on offense. Um, I didn't see I don't see what Caleb has to do with Diaz getting the red card. Like, are we, are you expecting Porter to like, there's no timeouts in soccer. Like there's no like, okay, you guys don't red card people. Don't kick somebody whenever they run away from you. Like, and it's like, Oh, well, Caleb D doesn't, they're not disciplined, but that that's the thing with soccer is like, it's not a football coach. You can't call a timeout, bring everybody into the huddle and talk to them. Like there are things that you just kind of know as a, as a pro, like don't lash out at somebody. I, I feel like that, that part alone, that specific piece that a lot of people have called out, I don't – I think Porter gets the blame because, oh, he's blaming his player for it and Porter should be gone. I think that's where that lumps in. I don't think that it's anyone else to blame but Diaz in that situation. No, I, I think uh, – I mean, I'll, I'll just um, blame Don Garber on it. As, oh, as that's I fair. No, that's fair. Do. Yeah. Um, I, and just, uh, you know, I did think it was, you know, it's rich. We had, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, Cincinnati fans, you know, talking about the, uh, how, how, how there's a conspiracy that pro referee and ML major league soccer were conspiring together, uh, to, you know, put their thumb on the scale on behalf of the Columbus crew and, uh, which that is well known good. in the history. Yeah. yeah, yeah well yeah, known yeah. in the team's history. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, 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 you you only know the darkness. We were born in the darkness, molded <laughs> by it. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it ultimately, I think it was because, and this has been because because Luis Diaz has been such a revelation since right. Pedro, um came back and uh, or came back, you know, came over, and uh, uh, it's you know you're looking at hey, this is, he's always been a player that's had, I think, you know, some of the highest ceiling on this roster. Um, uh, You know, even if he's not, you know, an 18, 19, 21 year old kid anymore. um, I think now he's, he's 23, uh, uh, which is, which is, you know, well, or close into your prime um, uh, in in soccer often, but it's one thing not to put together, you know, that consistency from a personal performance, but it is, you know, these are the sort of decisions that, that do, um, you know, completely uh, uh, that that's completely on the player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you, you can't necessarily control whether your uh, you know, your shots are going to be going in. I mean, 
there are things you can do to an extent there's some stuff you can't control you can control how you know you react to kai kamara and 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 you guys know who kai kamara i mean you use players you know who kai kamara is he's been playing this league for you know as long as luis diaz has been you know uh uh as long as luis diaz has been kicking a soccer ball around <laughs> and uh uh, I mean, he's he's played for uh, you know he's played, did they over I don't think they overlapped, but he certainly um, knows you know knows Kai Kamara's legacy. Um, he's probably played against him on six other teams um, in just the the you know the five years Luis Diaz has been here. So so you know what you're dealing with in him, and you've got to find a way to recognize that situation that you are in, and simply not put yourself in a situation where there's any question of whether that's a red card. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, this wasn't, uh, uh, this wasn't a professional foul. It wasn't, you know, a, a goal saving foul, anything. This wasn't last, last, last man back. Um, this was a dumb foul um, that maybe it was a little bit ticky tack for a red, but, you know, I may have, may have come around that, you know, by, by the letter of the law, um, it, it probably is. Uh, and ultimately, it's not a situation that, that you need to put yourself in and put your team in. Um, but I also think this team should be able to find a way to hold on for 12 minutes, whatever it was. Yeah. Kyle, what did you kind of think about? Um, I know you've seen stuff about Caleb on here. Was there things that maybe not just that, too, but what do you see is like I can pinpoint this to, OK, something Caleb should have done differently here that's put him on this seat right now. Well, I don't I'm not a coaching expert, you know, so I'm not going <laughs> to dog on Caleb too much, you know, I'm sure he knows plenty more than, than I do, but mm-hmm. just from a, just from a fan standpoint and a viewer standpoint, I mean, even did you see what, what he even said at halftime, you know, of that game with Brett, <laughs> He's, he asked he, if the ref was Canadian. Was, was I did Canadian. see that. So, yes, so I did see that. E- even, even at that point, you know, he was already a little a little on edge, you know. But, mm. I mean, for, for the most part, and, and I'll probably get dogged on this for Twitter later, but I really don't think that he's, you know, doing that bad of a job. I just think that his players are letting him down constantly. Mm. Um, mm. Now, he, I would much rather, in my opinion, have a, a fiery coach in the press you know, you know, after the game talking about the things that they need to do, you know, cause that, you know, you'd rather have a coach that cares that much than, than somebody who, you know, and he doesn't always show it, but in the big games, you know, he gets fired up and I would much rather have a coach that, you know, would fired up in big games like that instead of one that, you know, just goes in there after the game and, and acts defeated and, and concedes to the fact that, you know, we blew a two nothing lead. So I, in my opinion, I really don't think that he's, you know, done anything terrible, but, you know, results are results. And, you know, especially if we get down through the last, what is it, four or five games of this season and mm-hmm. he misses playoffs again, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to look good, right? So he's going to lose his house. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I think that's that's where it comes down to, right? Because you know, nothing. I mean, the crew aren't going to make any decisions here during the season about him. And, and look, a deep playoff run, 
um uh you know obviously i think i think changes things and i and i i I tend not to think you know even you know maybe short of missing the playoffs you know he's coaching you still uh coaching the crew next year i think you're still always having to look at you know what is the alternative options that you have you know who who's out there um that that you know uh, uh has has the sort of record because you want somebody that's going to win now right you're not going to try to rebuild when you've got 23 24 year old Cucho Hernandez and and Lucas Zellerion you know in, in his prime um you want you want to build around these pieces you want to win now um and, and so I don't know if there's you know someone that can win out but he, I think you do have to kind of just worry at you know at what point is he just not getting through to people, you know, if, mm-hmm. if it's um, cause I think, you know, there, there's an argument yet that like, maybe he's, you know, kind of being let down by his players, but, but ultimately, you know, it's kind of fool me once shame on you fool me twice and fool me, you know, it, uh, 11 times in the last 13 games. Um, <laughs> yeah, at some point, I think there's gotta be, you know, some, some introspection there. I mean, I'm sure there is like, I'm, I don't think Caleb is going home after these performances and saying like, I'm killing it. I've got my shit together. It's the rest of these guys who just can't figure it out. Um, but, but, but something's got to give. Um, and I, and I don't know what it is, but, but something's got to. There, there's something to be said. I'm not advocating for Caleb to get fired, but I'm also, not advocating for him not to, not for his seat to not get hotter. So mm. I remember quite clearly when Caleb took over the Columbus crew, the Columbus crew defense had an issue with, take a guess, letting in late goals for mm. ties and losses. Mm. And that was a big question that he got asked. And he, he spent about hmm, a solid 15 minutes talking to me and a couple of other guys, only one of which was a reporter about how he plans on, you know, fixing that issue. That was uh, 2019. Let's just say kind of worked in 2020, but obviously 21, no, and 22, obviously no. So is he insisting on using a tactic that's not working? Maybe. Is it personnel that's not helping? I, I don't know. Uh, it's, there's something in the mentality of what happens in those last 15 minutes and whether it's tactical or whether it's team dependent or both, because I'm, I'm starting to even consider more that it is both than just one or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, if he doesn't figure it out in the next five games, I believe, uh, it's, it's hard to justify you know, after you get a player like Lucas, after you get a player like Cucho, after you get good players, it's hard to justify him keeping the position when there's there are certain consistencies that have shown throughout his coaching career. Here's what I'll say. It's one of those things, you know, whether it's the tactics or personnel, um, I think you know, like anything, you know, scientific method or whatever, let's let's remove one of those variables. How about you get a lead and you say, we're not going to park it. 
<laughs> maybe we'll put some different players on, but let's not change the way that we are playing right now. Let's not become reactive. Let's continue to try to dictate. Um, uh, 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 you know, I think one of the first things um, Caleb Porter talked about when, when he first came and signed with the crew was the phrase, I believe, is ruthless acceleration. Um, you know, ruthless was was the adjective that really, really stuck with me. And that got me hype. Um, and, and I want to see that. I want to see this thing. And I think you've seen it kind of in some, you know, in some, uh, some games from time to time, you see spurts, certainly, you know, when he's being, um, uh, uh the bad guy in the heel against Cincinnati and stuff. And then you get, you know, a, a result like that, that last minute goal. Um, and if, you know, I think you need to give, you know, credit to them with, with fighting games like that. And, and I don't think the fight has necessarily been the problem with this team. Um, it's, it's, it's just the finish. And, and so if, if, if you, you, you can't change the personnel ultimately right now, transfer windows op- over, you can, you know, put some different guys in if you want to, from a substitution standpoint or starter standpoint, but can't make wholesale changes. So let's just experiment with that other variable, right? And just see what happens. And if, look, if they give up two goals again, you know, playing, um, you know, continuing to press the attack, uh, then, you know, we're wrong. Maybe it's he's got all the, you know, it's just the wrong pieces. But I think you got to rule that out before you can say, uh, you can say it's, you know, one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to, Go ahead, Kyle. I'm gonna I'm gonna also pose the argument and play devil's advocate a little bit here, mm-hmm. um, just because I'm fun like that. Um, <laughs> uh, you can also make the argument though too that over like the past three or four years, this league, a lot of these teams in this league have focused on buying mostly only offensive loaded players, right? Mm-hmm. I think only only one team really you know, in the last couple of years in Nashville has been a team that's focused on defense, you know? So I, you could almost make the argument that a lot of these teams in this league, you know, get the, the money and the fans from buying all the big name offensive superstars to come, you know, into the league, which isn't a bad thing, but a lot of teams aren't focusing on, on defense, you know, crew being mm-hmm. one of them. I think how many defenders have we signed since Caleb's been in, in in charge, I mean, it um, hasn't been a lot. I think we've I think we've drafted or brought kids in from from the academy more than we have, you know, with midfielders and and Milos, Milos, so. and um, who Vito. was the other Vito, Vito, or, Milos or, and, and Vito. I think those were the only and two. Stephen Moreira. Well, Stephen Moreira. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I think Stephen Marble was a free effective. agent. Um, yeah. Right. Know. Well, 2019, so, you had you had. Um, you had the makings of, you know, you had Jonathan Mensa, and I know he's young at this point, Lawless Abubakar, who you end up trading, who becomes what defensive player of the year or defensive player of the year finalist after you get rid of him. Um, I, I was on a couple weeks ago just preaching about how I thought that was a trade. That imagine they, having that Mensa. And, then you don't uh, sign Vito Wormgore, which was a waste of a year. <laughs> Milos, to Milos's credit. I think if he stays healthy and I think every, he had his rough spot at the beginning of the season. I think he's actually looking like the player that they wanted all year over the last few matches. Like that's been a positive form, but you don't, 
you needed that much earlier. But if you had Lawless and Mensa, I know this is a lot of what ifs because you can't go back. If I could turn back time, you know, if I could find a way, but mm-hmm. I can't. Um, I think they have tried to bring in some defense. Like Milos is an underrated signing because you can point to Champions League. You can point to playing in Europe, the mystical, you know, playing in Europe and mm-hmm. part of a, a national team. But yeah, it's not, you're also not going to splash the same money right on somebody like mm-hmm. a defender over a, a, a Cucho or. Yeah. So, so then that also poses the question, though, too, if Caleb is still in charge next season, does the team then go after defensive players that try to fill this hole and stop this problem, you know? I, in terms of the hot seat, I'll, you've all shared, like, I, mm-hmm. I agree with everything folks are saying for both sides of it. I can see both sides of it. I, I think if you don't make the playoffs, that's, I think that's it. I think the window is really close to, closing on some of the guys you have and you have a really strong window of players right now um i that would be the only time i would say okay the seat is hot now it's time to to look around but if you if you don't keep it and you're talking about not rebuilding with folks like this is it like what happens to the team if you don't keep caleb are they going to keep everybody or are they going to okay what do we need to change is this the end of some maybe players with more experience is this you know we're going to switch out a a mensa or even like a nagby or something even though they both play well but thinking long term and bringing in somebody new i think i think he's brought in enough younger players that you are going to lose some older players but i think there's enough younger players to kind of keep a a nucleus of sorts um in like available so I don't think they'd get rid of everybody, but they definitely need uh, a right back and a uh, sorry, a left back and a backup right back and a backup left back. Well, you have Will Saints that, that has, like Bart said, filled in sufficiently. But it, it, I think making the playoffs at this point, making the playoffs barely saves him. Mm-hmm. Flaming out of the first round, which is very likely to happen, knocks him out. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's some people's worst nightmare if the crew wins their first playoff match. If, like if they were to make it and win that first one, that's going to be a lot of people's nightmare because a lot of people, I think a lot of fans, at least the most vocal fans, they want to see, they want to see him gone and winning in a winning one playoff match is going to make a lot of people, I think upset. Yeah. I, I I wouldn't go quite that far. Well, depending um, on what happens in the second match, part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I, I I think most, but it is. You know, I think I think there is always. You know, I think the problem is 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 Caleb's. You know, kind of personality. He doesn't do himself any favors, right? I think you know. You look at you look at his record, and you look at. Greg's record I I don't think really they're that far off he's got an MLS cup um you know it's it's just sort of that that personality and sometimes you absolutely love it he's you know when when he's going and and he's you know shushing the Cincinnati fans um it's great but then you know he's going and I, I just ultimately think I think Caleb's got to have a little bit, you know, he's, he's got to figure out, he, I think he's his own worst enemy sometimes. Um, I think, 
you know, Murph and I were kind of talking about this uh, off air a couple weeks ago. Like he needs, you know, he needs the Caleb Porter translator. He needs somebody, you know, when he's just about to say, and it's one of those things that you kind of appreciate, you know, you appreciate candor, especially, you know, Thomas, you've been in, you know, how many locker rooms and, how coaches um, and players and how players are coached a lot of the times by media relations professionals to be as absolutely boring, to not give you any good quotes. Don't give them any proverbial bulletin board material or anything like that. Um, it, it's just, you know, cliches go and, and, and Caleb, you know, in that sense is, is he's really pretty much everything, anything but that. And so that can be, you know, something that is a, a breath of fresh air for, for media covering a team. Um, but, you know, if you're just a, if you're a, a casual fan opening up the dispatch a couple weeks ago and you're seeing the head coach of the crew saying that, you know, the fans are, are the problem and aren't, you know, speaking and, and that, you know, he's had a couple of these things where, He'll have to go back and retract and say, I shouldn't have said that about Jossi, or I shouldn't have said this about, you know, it's it's one of those where, Caleb, I think maybe a little bit of a filter. <laughs> um, as kind of fun as it is sometimes, I think a little bit of a filter from yourself would get you from, you know, a falling, you know, running afoul of at least, you know, some of your most diehards. People are still going to ultimately look at results. It's a results business, mm-hmm. but I don't think you do yourself favors sometimes. Um, uh, uh, you know, I don't think Caleb Porter does himself favors sometimes with, you know, just kind of the way, and, it, and it's his personality. Um, and I think ultimately what's most important isn't, you know, what fans feel about him. Um, but what the guys in that locker room feel about them, what the guys in that locker room feel about it. And mm-hmm. that, you know, short of, short of, you know, somebody going, the player going out and saying something about that, that, you know, uh, uh, which, which they're generally not going to um, the, the best glimpse I think we have is, you know, kind of looking at the res- results on the field and the sort of, you know, body language, um, and the ways that they're kind of reacting um, toward toward this and toward results like that. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I can't I don't know where, you know, the players in the locker room, you know, really stand around, stand with him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, you know, he's still he's still mostly got that locker room, but I can see players getting frustrated, too. And I, I think if you look back to um, which was a match where he called he said two players weren't there were two players who didn't have the intensity was that the atlanta match i think that might have been i think that was the atlanta match yeah um after that match we had ideas of who the two players were and i thought they both both those players bounced back i think that's a sign that players players listen to him and they and they play for him and also and i'm not saying what he's saying is calculated Mm -hmm. he goes to the locker room after the match and he talks to the players Oftentimes the players are repeating lines that we hear Caleb say in the press conference. It's the other kind of color that he adds to it that gets people kind of yeah. frustrated. I, I think even that's to a degree protecting the players. Cause I think Caleb is like, I'll, I'll take it. Like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say the stuff that people absolutely get mad at because we don't want like, like I'll, I'll use Jonathan Mensa as an example. Mensa is, we've all seen this stuff. He's a great guy. He's a great person. The stuff that he says right up before we hit record on the microphone, 
is hilarious. Some of the greatest stuff right after we're done. He's always like in a good mood. He's always joking and stuff. But once you hit record, it's just like we played well. We did this. Or if it's a match, like we have to improve this. We Like he just turns into, like you said, Bart, the media. I've been trained up to talk to the media and stuff. I think Caleb likes it that the players don't have. They're not saying stuff that gets themselves in trouble. And I think Caleb's like, I'll just, I'll take it for the team. It almost feels like he's not afraid to say what he says because he, he's won a couple MLS cups and he's been successful. Every team he's gone to, to the degree of winning trophies and all that. I, I don't think he cares sometimes what, and that, like you said, that doesn't rub people the right way when it doesn't sound like he cares about what people are saying about him. Here's the here's the, I I agree with everything up to the point where he doesn't care because I think he does yeah. care I think he reads I think he's reading things he does yeah he comments Twitter because yeah. where else, where else is he getting this you know there is like it's not like there are fans at the stadium booing them no. you know at home games you go to the Cincinnati game you've got a huge contingent there and I know I'm really you know just dwelling on that but those those. No, it was big. Yeah. Take me back um, a, a bit. And that's one of those where it's like, you know, you could have stopped that. Look at these Cincinnati fans. Can you believe what they were doing and stuff? And I understand, you know, making yourself the story sometimes to shield your players. But I have a hard time kind of squaring that circle with, okay, you're doing that. But then you'll also sometimes call players because usually my thought is, yeah, a coach will do that. And then you call players out in the locker room. And so you guys can kind of keep it in the you know proverbial locker room. Yeah. But he seems to, you know, be willing to put himself out there, make himself the story, but then doesn't have the thick enough skin sometimes to, you know, just shrug off the criticism that's going to come with if it is a calculated thing to, you know, put a chip on your shoulder or put a chip on your team's shoulder, say that they're underappreciated um, or underrated, you know, that's something, but then you've got to, you know, you've got to, if it's, it's if it's sort of performance art, um, you got to recognize that it's performance art, Caleb, and not take it personally when, you know, your, uh, your performance or your theater kind of rubs people the wrong way that don't recognize that part. But that Cincinnati match, like you say, like get get your team fired up and say stuff to fire up your team. He said that. He said, mm-hmm. you're not talking about the fight. You're not talking about the fight of this team. And then people are like, oh, he's saying that we're not appreciating the players. So mm-hmm. he does that too. And either way, he says it. He's yeah. going to get, he's getting in trouble lately. Where And, and I think I, I, as soon as you said that he does care, I was like, I, I completely agree because there's this scenario in my head. Like, let's say planets align and crew can make it through the season and gosh, gosh darn it, they win MLS Cup. I'm that's, mm-hmm. you know, at this point seems like a miracle scenario. I could imagine him winning that cup and making some sort of remark towards the fans in a, in a light that people will not like. I think he would say some kind of snide like, even when the fans didn't, you know, think we could do it. Like I could imagine mm-hmm. him saying that because I think he does behind the scenes ultimately care. So that I'll re- I'll retract mm-hmm. what I said. I think he does care, but I don't think that's going to stop him <laughs> from saying stuff that he says. And I feel like he's actually kind of timid to where he was in Portland. Honestly, <laughs> very yeah. timid to what he was in Portland. He has he has adjusted, like attempted to be better than how he was in Portland. And, and even the Portland people will tell you that it's, it's different. 
So yeah, what we're seeing now is the modified Caleb Porter 2.0. We're finding out a lot about that Portland organization. So <laughs> I don't know where apples fall from trees when it comes to yeah. Well, um, uh, we are yeah, I'm looking and, and, and we're, uh, 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 you know, we'll see, we'll have the chance to look at modified Caleb Porter uh, a bit this week, mm-hmm. um, as we do have, you know, some, some other games to look at. Um, uh, I think the most pressing, obviously, you've got um, inner Miami on Wednesday, down in Miami. Sunday, Tuesday. we get our Tuesday. It's a, sorry, yep. it's a weird Tuesday match. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Tuesday. Whoopsies. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, and then uh, uh, Portland next Sunday. Um, uh, that's a home match. Uh, most pressing question, obviously, for tomorrow night against Inter Miami. Will MLS finally give us Crew in Yellow versus Inter Miami in Pink? I'll break Why? the news to him. Break the news to him, Kyle. What's what are the crew going to wear tomorrow? What are Miami going to wear? No, we're wearing our beautiful white kits. That's oh, gray, gray. What's more exciting than gray? Why do, you, why do they do this? <laughs> and what's Miami wearing, Kyle? Oh, what are they wearing? Are they They're wearing, wearing the black. black? They're wearing black, black oh, versus the exact gray. Thing we saw two weeks ago. Um, the 1930s uh, baseball footage special, black yeah. versus gray. That's just black and white TVs. We're gonna love this oh, match tomorrow. I hate night. you so much, Don Gerber. I hate I, you so I, much. I honestly cannot wait for that gray kit to be gone. And yes, yeah. I know it's gonna be replaced by the black kit, but I will take the black kit oh, any yeah. day over that. Because then they'll have kit. to do black versus pink. Because right. you can't do right. the black with forces... pink trim versus black with yellow trim. <laughs> yep, it just it's going to force them to actually do do something, and maybe we'll get some like black with yellow shorts because that would and be kind of interesting. Like the yellow with the black don't, shorts. Y'all don't know beauty when it hits you in the face. That kid is wonderful. I don't know what what's the gray one. one? About. Yes. No. Let's talk okay. about the matches part. Let's, that's get, it, let's that's, get into you know, the match. You know how Murphy, you know how Murphy <laughs> I, tries to fire Thomas. I'm gonna fire you now. <laughs> be gone. So, so, yeah. be Only gone. my first podcast that I'll never yep, be back. You've again. already screwed up. <laughs> and, 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 I to, and I told Murph I was gonna go on my, um, you know, long. I've got a, a, a five five to seven minute diatribe about how you know this is all about MLS trying to be the product versus the individual teams, and that's why they won't let the. So you you guys are gonna have to, you know, that, that'll have to be. We're, we're gonna put a you know Patreon subscribers only episode where you have to pay to get that one um or we'll do it in a, you know another couple of weeks when you know we get uh uh you know crew in in black for or white versus you know i don't know uh uh, uh, uh so, you know some other just just awful um color scheme matchup but let's look at it from from an actual you know matchup standpoint um this is again you know i, I think we're, we're, we're saying it every time every week um uh crew will still have i think they'll continue to have games in hand with most of the teams because it looks like most mls teams in the conference are going to be playing twice this week so uh, uh, thomas you're shaking your head a little bit i just Um, see that they're never not going to have games in hand yeah yeah i think they're gonna have that game in hand they're only playing 33 matches this year they're always gonna have a game in hand but but you know uh uh my this is miami that they're just you know a couple i think they're what uh looks like they're five points behind crew um uh but this is you know important game i think last win crew have gotten Mm -hmm. um uh, and uh, uh, but but you're going down to a team that they have been very strong at home. Eight wins on the season. Uh, that uh, on ho- at home 
that is uh, just uh, one fewer win than crew have in the entire se- entirety of the season, both home and away. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, what do we, you know, expect to see from, you know, this Miami team um, and, you know, from, from Caleb, uh, Caleb Porter and, and, and crew, obviously there needs to be, you know, a bit of rotation. Um, thankfully you had a Friday game. So you've got a little bit, you know, a little bit more time, especially given it's a Tuesday game. And then there's a bit more time since they're at, they're on Sunday and not Saturday. Um, so th- these are a bit better spaced out than I think in a lot of circumstances. But I think you still need to have, you know, some degree of rotation, right? I don't think so. I think Caleb's going to play outside of Luis Diaz, switching, you know, Yao Yabawa in there for him. I don't, I don't see them. Like he just played him three times in seven days. I don't see them making wholesale changes. I don't think I don't think Yao Yubo gets the start. I think it's going to be James Igbekemi. You th- oh okay. Mm-hmm. You think they move to? I think being away I think from home. If we're like going to look four. at if we're going to look at a depth chart, Yao is dropped. And I I you know I think we talked about it a few weeks ago on the podcast of like what has caused his drop from grace so far. Um, but I, I think James Igbekeme starts instead of Luis Diaz, but I don't think you're not, you don't, you just don't get the same offensive output from him, but I'm not sure if you're really getting much of the offensive output from Yao Yabo either right now. But I, I think too, it's looking at substitutions, at least Yao's come in lately. I think James hasn't come in in a few matches. Like you've seen him warm up and it looks like he's about to come in. I, I, Yao's at least come in, and until that, and I, I, I'm sorry, I missed the Yao Yaboa. Uh, I would like, a few I would weeks like ago. to see, I would like to see Yao Yaboa start and see what he, what he, he can bring so in well. with Kucha. Until that Atlanta, until that Atlanta injury, he had two really solid matches where it looked like he was coming into some sort of form. Um, I would love to see what he does with Kucho on the field for a full match. Yeah, if I think if, if I mean, obviously, the goal for any team is to score early. I think mm-hmm. if they score early and get ahead, then maybe you see uh, uh, Hurtado as a holding forward, or you see Jason Russell Rowe, or, I mean, Jason Russell Rowe was just playing in Miami yesterday. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I think you're, you won the home match. Uh, I don't think you're going to go in there looking for a draw. And, Caleb says this famously. The draw lately, looks like, for you with this team. Play to, right? Oh, right. You, you don't look for the draw. It finds you. Uh, they they do play to win. It's not going to look like a Chicago match out there where Chicago is taking all the time they can to milk the clock as much as possible. You're going to see a crew team that is that does need to get three points. I think if you get if you win this match, you feel a lot better about getting into the playoffs, and you jump Cincinnati also for the sixth spot. Mm-hmm. But. Alejandro Pozuelo, he he's done well against him this year when he was with Toronto. Didn't have him in the last match, a one to zero match that was pretty close. Adding Alejandro to the mat, to the mix for Miami, I'm I think it's going to be a, a pretty tough battle for Columbus. I wouldn't be shocked to have them see, do like the four three three again away from home, even with Cucho and Zellerian out there, and you can mix, you can move the formation around a little bit, change your shape a little bit depending on the scenario, or try to throw Miami off. But I don't, I don't know if you'll see like the same formation without Diaz there because whoever you bring in is not going to run behind the defense like Luis does. Mm-hmm. 
Well, historically, these teams have only played each other three times, and the crew have only ever played Miami once, and they have yet to score a goal in Miami. And the home side has won all three meetings so far in our history. So that doesn't look good, you know, from a crew's perspective. They've never scored a drive paint. They've never scored down there? No, they've only played one game in Miami. That was September 11th of last year. And hmm. that was a that was a 1-0 win for Miami. Oh, okay. So, so this wow. will be this will be only the second time in the history that they've ever played in Miami. Well, the, well, so, they even played Montreal there last year and they didn't score, I don't think. I think they got shut out against Montreal. Maybe yeah. that stadium is cursed. I'm gonna use that stat tomorrow and take all the credit, Kyle. <laughs> Sounds good. Um but on the other hand, too, um Cucho hasn't scored in four games. So, His butt had an assist on Friday night, though. Yeah. Yes. So he'll score like four, right? Because <laughs> that's how it works. Well, so, that, that's true. If he's going to win the Golden Boot this year, as I predicted, he would. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I tend to agree with Thomas. I think, you know, you win the home game, you have to go down there and try to try to get something out of the the away match. But that's not a draw, you know. So, I, I it's crunch time now right so they have to go down there and win you know anything less than that is unacceptable so i think i think they'll go down there and they're going to give it a a hell of an effort and i think kucho is going to break this dry spell um because i mean he was pretty somewhat productive when i went to go watch him for a solid 45 minutes before i had to leave you know the last meeting so um i think he'll i think he'll get back back into form on Tuesday, and then, God, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Don't well, yeah, yeah, we we are running a bit long, so let's get some picks in for um uh, uh Tuesday, and then we'll do uh, uh some quick hits on Sunday for Portland. Um, let's have a uh, uh, Kyle. Why don't you lead us off? What are you thinking against uh, Miami down there tomorrow night? Uh, all right, so I'm gonna say Crew two one. Uh, Ooh. Two goals by Cucho. Um, and then Portland. God, that's that's really up in the air, isn't it? Oh, we'll we'll go, we'll quick touch on Portland quick so you don't have to get those picks and you'll you, you can think about that a bit. So okay. uh two one. All right. Uh Thomas, what are you going with? Um, not gonna be the most popular person, but I I think they squeak out one one draw. I think they finally score that first drive pink goal that they've been longing for. All on that right. stat that I just learned about, yeah. <laughs> yes. Kevin, <laughs> so 2-1 from Kyle, 1-1 from Thomas. Sam? Um, oh, why not? I won't go as crazy as Bart, but we're going to go with a 3-2 Columbus crew win. Ooh. They're going to score three goals, but they're going to let two in, and they're going to make it really dicey in the last five minutes. <laughs> that. That actually is is exactly what I was going to go with, Sam, because it just does feel like a you know a team that's going to you know continue to sort of have some struggles here conceding goals. But uh, I do think Cucho is due for a couple. I think Darlington Nagby is due for one. Um, uh, so 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 we're going to go with with a, a, a Cucho brace and Darlington um, down there um, uh, uh, with the we'll, we'll give him the game winner. Um, so let's look uh, uh, look then uh, at Portland coming up 
on uh, uh, Sunday. And, and, you know, just quick hits, but Portland right now um, in the uh, Western Conference, they are uh, just below outside the top five, uh, but just a point behind Nashville. Um, uh, 31 games, though, uh, played so far on the season. Um, only they are second um, in ties in the league, um, trailing only the Columbus crew. They are tied with Cincinnati with 12 ties. So this is a team, you know, um, itself who, who was in trouble um, uh, or has uh, uh, doesn't have too much of a problem uh, getting, you know, draws. Uh, they've not been particularly, you know, good on the road, three, six, and six, though, six draws. Um, and, uh, but, but anytime, you know, Portland coming to Columbus, uh, it, you know, kind of reminds me of this just moment that sort of is completely blocked out in my head. And I don't know why it was, I just sort of get like this, this just like weird feeling anytime that Portland comes to Columbus and it's weird because there's no rational explanation for me to have any like negative connotations with it, but I just yeah. have them. So um, um, I don't know. How, what are you guys feeling about this? Yeah. 2015 had no relevance to the trauma that it, anytime Portland comes to I don't even know what Columbus. you're talking about right now, Sam. I don't know what you're talking about. What is 2015 Portland? Mean? I don't know. No. I'd, yeah. It, there was a pandemic then and nothing happened and that yeah. year didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. No beers were thrown. <laughs> If only there were a coach we could talk to. <laughs> yeah. Oof. I, I like this game has a tie written all over it. It could be one one. It could be zero zero. It could be seven seven. It's just going to be a tie, and like <laughs> it doesn't matter what what you know. It's the crew are at home. They're playing Portland. It's the top two teams that get ties. I bet they're both the toughest team to play against, you know, or the toughest team to beat or whatever. But yeah, I I, I kid you not. I have like a three three tie in my head in about this game. Um. Uh. So Portland. They have a lot of draws, but they've also won four straight. Um, in that, they've beat Austin uh, two to one, which Austin's pretty good this year, as much as I hate to say it. Um, they beat Atlanta, who's kind of been surging a little bit of late. I, I think the crew have the slight advantage, and here's why I think so: because you have a West Coast team playing a one o'clock Eastern time kickoff. It's going to be ten a.m. to these guys. Mm-hmm. So I think Columbus can take advantage of that. That's what happened. I mean, you're also playing Vancouver. So uh, little asterisks there. But in the beginning of the season, you played a team from the West Coast playing an early East Coast match. And Columbus did a shellacking. I think I'm going to give 2-0 Columbus win against Portland. I don't know what I'm doing. I've only had one. I have one can of beer tonight. Not (laughs) anymore. I, I think with sound mind. I think they beat Portland 2-0. All right. I like that. Kyle, what you got? So as I sat here and thought about it, and I also looked at the recent form, as Thomas said, four wins in a row, but they also lost to both Sporting and Toronto on the road, and those those were big losses as well. So I'm going to go with the 3-1 crew. I think that to Thomas's – point that he just made i think they will they will struggle defensively as they have in the past so i'm gonna say two goals from cucho and then uh give me a goal from aiden morris Ooh, so, be the first of his career no i'd have yeah. to double check that but i think you're right yeah mm-hmm. 
Diaz comeback goal also. Diaz comeback goal. I didn't mention who's going to score Diaz comeback goal <laughs> on Sunday. I like it. Um, I like you know I like that my my instinct was three one, but I, you know I'll have to one up it. So I think it, it'll be a four one crew win. Um, that you know looks like crew you know has has the the lead, and so uh, Caleb Porter as he's been wont to do tries to bunker down with that two goal lead, uh, bringing on Josh Williams who will have none of it, and he uh, will score just a uh, just just diving header. Um, you know, all of that, I, I think, what was it, Cucho's second goal, um, that one against New England, uh, you know, just diving in there um, to, uh, uh, you know, put it up 4 nothing or 4-1, um, and for Crew to get their second win, six points on the week. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> wow. I love you it. You know it. Fellas, any other, I know we ran, ran a little bit long, uh, but any other, you know, thoughts around this, any other, you know, final takes? Um, uh, uh, before we uh, wrap this sucker up, got to find a way to repair that bus. Yeah. Find it. Oh, you got to bring in a repair person. I, I'm cautiously optimistic for how this season is is going to end. That's all I'm gonna say here. That might be my. I, mean, I know I'm on the show infrequently, but I, I feel like I'm cautiously optimistic. Is it repairing the bus? Or finding a right operator. Oh man! Look at Sam hitting with the heavy conclusion. I didn't follow that one. I think we should just blow the bus up. I'm for real mass transit. I want <laughs> light rail, baby. No buses. <laughs> monorail. Let's get a monorail. Yeah, monorail. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, uh, fellas, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure um, uh, uh, for Sam, for Thomas, for Kyle. This is part signing off. We'll see you all next week. Bye, buddies. Bye.